If you have your Bibles with you this morning, would you open them please to 1 Peter chapter 2. On Sunday morning we've been in a sermon series for a while talking about thriving in hard times. Not surviving, but thriving in hard times. Having a victorious Christian life in the midst of a world that is falling down, falling apart, and perhaps will soon fall away. And today we're going to be thinking about the subject, God's people have benefits. And the benefits that you and I have, I think, come directly from our identity. When you look in the mirror, what do you see? I'm not talking about physically. What do you see spiritually? Because I believe what you think of yourself as you look at yourself in the spiritual mirror in many ways will determine who you'll be, what you'll have, and what you'll do for Jesus Christ. And so we're going to be looking at who we are and how all that flows if we can ever grasp it. First Peter chapter 2, beginning with verse 4. The Apostle Peter is writing to those of his day. He's writing to us this morning. He's talking about who Jesus is. And then, because of who Jesus is, who we are in Him. Verse 4, To whom coming as unto a living stone disallowed indeed of men, but he was chosen of God and precious. You also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone. He's elect and precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you therefore which believe he is precious, unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the world, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. Verse 9, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Dearly beloved, I beseech you, as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshy lust, which war against the soul, having your lifestyle honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they may speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. I love the Bible writers. They have a way of taking complex things and making them simple. They have a way of taking things that are long and tedious and making them short and understandable. 
And what Peter does is he simply reminds people who Jesus is. And then, because of who Jesus is, who we are in Him. I think it's very important that we shape who we are according to the Scriptures and not allow the world to shape who we are. I mean, think about it. What does the world say about born-again Christians? Not religious people. Not church-going people per se. But what does our world say about those who are born again? Those who have placed their faith in Christ and Christ alone. Those who have repented of their sins. Those who identify themselves as disciples, followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. What does the world say about us? What does the world identify us as? Well, the world, first of all, says we're fools. They think people that give their life to Jesus have checked their brains in at the door. They think we're fools. Fools. It's what the world says about us. They also think that we're weak. That we're cowardly. That we we need a cross to cling to or a Christ to lean on because we don't have the courage or the strength to do it ourselves. The world says we're fools. Do you believe that? The world says we're weak. Do you believe that? The world says we're bigots. We're bigots because we have a narrow-minded approach to salvation. We believe the only ones who are going to heaven will go through Christ. And to a world that likes pluralism and ecumenicalism and multiple options, we're just a bunch of bigots. See what the world says about us? Do you believe that? When you look in the spiritual mirror, do you see a fool? Do you see a wink link? Do you see a bigot? Do you see someone who's boring? You know, the world has been told that if you come to Jesus and become a Christian, life is boring. Oh, they got it all wrong. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life. Without me, you just exist. Sure, you might have a bag of goodies and a bottle of wine and a bed of immorality, but that is short-lived. The pleasures of sin indeed are for a season. And then there's a payday, isn't there? So when we look in the mirror, what do we see? A boar? A bigot? A winkling? Someone who is a fool? Well, what I want us to do this morning is I want us to see what Peter thinks about us. Now remember, this is not Peter's opinion. Opinions are a dime a dozen. Everybody has one. Yours is no better than mine. Mine is no better than yours. But Peter gets his thoughts from where? All Scripture is what? Inspired by God. So what Peter's writing to us comes directly from the Lord. So let's begin by looking at verses 4 and 5. 
And let's see what we should see when we look ourselves in the mirror. Our identity. Because remember, our identity determines who we are, what we'll have, what we'll do. It indeed determines the privileges and the benefits that we have in the faith. Verse 4 and 5. To whom coming as unto a living stone. Now this is speaking of Jesus. When he came, he came as a living stone. He was disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Now, because that's who he is in verse 4, notice who we are in verse 5. We also are lively stones. We are part of a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. So we're what we are, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> is we're not fools, we're not winkling, we're not boars. What are we? We're not bigots. We are pebbles. Pebbles. When we look in the mirror, we're pebbles. You say, fruity pebbles, pastor? No. We're not that kind of pebbles. Jesus Christ is the rock, is what Peter says. He is the rock, He's the foundation of our salvation and our church. Without Him, our faith will not last. Our church will be nothing. Nothing more than a cemetery or a country club or a battleground. When you see people deserting the faith, it's because they weren't built on the foundation of faith, which is Jesus. When you see churches that are, that are being deceived and are collapsing, it's because they were never built on the rock of the church, which is Jesus Christ. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is what? Sinking sand. You can't always see what's built on sinking sand immediately, but the passing of time determines the foundation that you're built on. So when you see a Christian start off strong but finish weak or don't finish at all, what's the problem? They weren't built on the right foundation. When you see churches that begin to fade and, and to fall away, why? It's because they weren't built on the right foundation. That foundation is Christ. Now if Christ is the foundation, we're chips off the old block. That's what Peter's saying. We're pebbles. We're lively stones. That means we're chips off the old block. We're bricks, if you will, that are part of this spiritual house. Understand God is the builder. Jesus is the foundation. We, the followers of Christ, are the bricks and all of us coming together are building the church. Did you catch that? Listen, God's, who's the builder? God is. What's the foundation of this building he's building? It's Christ. Who are the bricks that are building the structure? We are. And when we're through, what are we going to have? The church. 
the church. We're bricks. We're pebbles. We're stones. We're part of the spiritual building that God is erecting. Now, when you can't keep that in your mind, that tells us something. It tells us that as individuals, we're not much. Is, a, is one brick much? No. But when you put a bunch of bricks together, they can become something. You see, by ourselves, we're insignificant. But together, we are significant. Again, if I just had one brick line up here, you wouldn't think much of it. If you thought anything of it, you'd say, who brought the brick up there and left it on the stage? But if we had a whole wall of bricks up here, you would take notice of it. You would have more thoughts about it. It would catch your eye. You'd be more attention-grabbing. You see, by ourselves, we, we're not very significant, but when we come together as multiple bricks, part of this spiritual building called the church, we have significance. One flashlight is not a, worth a whole lot if you're out in the pitch black darkness of the sea. But a lighthouse is. You know what a lighthouse is? Just a bunch of flashlights brought together. Because we are pebbles, bricks, if you will, chips off the old rock of the foundation. We have significance together, but not significance by ourselves. We have strength together, but by ourselves we're weak. One brick. Who in the world put this up here? It'd break into pieces, wouldn't it? If I threw a brick from right here down, hit that floor hard, it would break. Okay? But remember the brick wall? That's pretty significant. You notice in it. You know what else? I can't pick it up without getting a hernia. Don't know it could do it even if I got a hernia. I mean, I, I can't pick up this whole brick wall. And even if I could and I could push it over here and I push it down, it's not going to break all the bricks. You see, there's not only significance in number, but there's strength in number. Why do you think herds of animals stay together? It's to protect themselves from the predators. Predators pry, or prey, I should say, not pry. I guess they pry on them too. But predators prey on individual animals that they can separate from the herd. Particularly the young, the old, the weak, the feeble. The devil does the same thing. He, he preys on believers, or so-called believers, who he can push away from the body, the church get them off by themselves, and then he destroys them. 
Our, our safety is in numbers. Our strength is in numbers. Very seldom will you see predators attack the entire herd that are all tightly together. They won't do it. The danger to them is too great. So when you look in the spiritual mirror, what do you see? I hope you see you're a pebble, you're a brick. You're a part of something that's greater than you. That God wants to use you, yes, by yourself, but more so as part of something as a whole. Because when we are one and we're together, we have significance, we have strength. We also have support. We have support. One brick. Not much to look at, is it? One brick breaks into a lot of pieces. One brick can be moved around, can it? See, you can move around one brick. It doesn't have much support. But when you have a whole wall of bricks, you're not moving that whole wall too easily. So once again, the whole thing is, he's the foundation. God is building his church. What is he building it with? Us. Not just one of us, but all of us together. Building something beautiful for his glory and for the good of a lost and dying world. Do you understand that? Now, the reason why I think it's important, too, is because we have a lot of people today. I won't say a lot of people. We have some people today who claim to be believers, who claim to be walking with the Lord, who claim to be in God's will, who claim to be in God's word, but they're not part of a local church. They're individual bricks. That's not the way that God wants us to be. He's not the way God wants us to live. He wants us to be part of a whole. And you're to be part of a whole. Are you part of a local church? Do you, do you involve yourself in that church? Do you worship in that church? Do you serve in that church? Do you give in that church? Do you witness through that church? If you don't, or you won't, one has to question, are you a chip off the old block? One has to question your validity, your reality, when it comes to spiritual things. Think about it. If your faith can't bring you to church on Sunday, why do you think your faith is going to take you to heaven one day? Pastor, is it possible to be a Christian and not go to church? I guess it is. Is it possible to be married and not live with your spouse? 
I guess it is, but it would be mighty strange, wouldn't it? It wouldn't certainly be the norm. Probably be a miserable life. We're pebbles. We're bricks. We're part of something that's greater than ourselves. God's building His church. His glorious church, and He's building it on His Son, Jesus. Not only when we look in the mirror should we see that we're pebbles. Rocks, chips, bricks. But notice he says we're something else. He says we're a holy priesthood, verse 5. We're lively stones that are part of the building of the spiritual house, the church, verse 5. But we're also a holy priesthood. We're pebbles, but we're priests. Did you know you're a priest? Some of you are checking your collar. Being a priest isn't about what kind of shirt you wear. It's not being even part of the Catholic Church, although they claim the monopoly on priests. You and I, who are children of God, who have believed in the Lord Jesus, received the Lord Jesus into our life as our personal Savior, we are priests. We are priests. We're a holy people of God. And because we're priests, we have some rights and we have some responsibilities. I'm trying to get you to think now, what do you see when you look in the mirror? Do you see a fool? Do you see a winkling? Do you see a bigot? Do you see a bore? I hope not. I hope what you see is, I am part of a hole. I'm a brick. I'm a pebble. I'm part of something that God is building, and I'm an important part of it. Not so much important by myself, but important when I come together with others. And I'm also a priest. You know what that means? Priests in the Old Testament represented the people to God. They could come into the presence of God. Old Testament priests could come into the presence of God in some way, shape, or form, anytime, anywhere, for anything. Nobody else could do that but the priest. We in Jesus Christ can come to God anytime, anywhere, with anything. It doesn't mean we need to have a special day. We don't need to have a special ceremony. We can come to God anytime, anywhere, with anything, and let our needs be known. The Bible says, Come boldly to the throne of grace, that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Sometimes people will say, Pastor, will you pray for me? And I'll gladly pray for you. But you know something? You don't need me to come to God. You can go to God. I can go to God alone by ourselves. Through Christ Jesus. You have a need? Go to God and tell Him. 
You have a, a sin, go to God and seek His forgiveness. You have a request, go to God and share it. You've done wrong, go to God and tell Him. You have a worry, go to God and give it to Him. As priests, we can go to the throne of God anytime, anywhere with anything. Also, Old Testament priests could do something else. They had an understanding of God's Word. The priest in the Old Testament had insights and understandings to the Word of God that others did not have. The Spirit of God was with them. And they then had the ability not only to understand it, but then to teach it to the people. Now, who gave them that understanding? The Spirit of God. When you and I come to know Jesus as our personal Savior, God gives us what? His Spirit. The moment you say yes to Jesus, God gives you the gift of His own Spirit. And that Spirit comes to indwell us. The Spirit of God lives inside of you. Do you understand that? He's not with you, around you, or by you. He is in you. That ought to get you shouting. He's in you. And because He's in you, He has sealed you as a child of God forevermore. you got a spiritual tattoo on your hide. You belong to the King. You've been baptized into the body of Christ. It's not just you anymore, but a whole group of believers coming together. Bricks building the church. You've been gifted by the Spirit of God. When He saved you, He gave you gifts. Gifts to use for His glory. Use the gifts to use for the good of others. Gifts. You can't ask for the gifts. You can't tell Him what you want. But He knows who you are. He knows how He wants to use you. And He gives you gifts to work within the church to carry out the responsibilities He has for you and you alone. And the Holy Spirit teaches the Word of God to us. Without the Spirit of God being in you, I can't teach you the Word of God. But because I have the Spirit of God in me, I can teach you the Word of God and you can receive it and understand it and teach it to others because you have the Spirit of God. That's called the Comforter in John. I'll send you the Comforter. What he's going to do when he comes? He's going to teach you the Scriptures. That's why a five-year-old boy who's saved can understand the Bible better than a 36-year-old man who's an infidel. Because the infidel doesn't have the Spirit of God. He can't understand this book. But that little boy can read it and he can walk away with something out of it. Because the Spirit of God gives that to him. Okay? So what do you see when you look in the mirror again? Here's the mirror. What do you see? You see a fool? You see a winkling? Do you see a bigot? Do you see a bore? Or do you see someone who's a pebble, a rock, part of a hole, whom God is using to build His church on His Son, Jesus? 
You have significance as a whole. We have security as a whole. We have strength as a whole. We have stability as a whole. That's why the gates of hell cannot stand against the church. And then we're priests. We're priests. We can go to God anytime, anywhere, with anything through Christ. And we can understand the precious word of God. And apply it to our lives and share it with others that they can do likewise. You say, Pastor, I like that. Well, I'm glad you do. But understand now, what if we're going to take the benefits, we've got to have the responsibilities. So what were the responsibilities of a priest? Because we are priests, right? Well, in verse 5, keep your Bibles open. We see that one of the responsibilities is to be pure. Priests in the Old Testament were expected to be pure. Notice it says we're a holy priesthood. Holy. That word holy means to be without sin. Now, we can't be without sin like the great high priest. But we certainly can make sure that we're washed and cleansed of our sin each and every day through confession and repentance. Right? So as priests, we got to keep ourselves clean. And we do that through daily confession. Being washed and cleansed in the blood of Jesus and made whole. Having our stench removed each and every day by putting on the cologne or perfume of heaven. Which is peace, joy and hope. By throwing away our dirty, ragged clothes every day and putting on new clothes. The attire of wisdom and faith and love. You see, that's what we do. We're to be holy, not perfect, not sinless, but holy. That's what priests were. They were expected to be pure. We're also to be prayerful. We're to be prayerful. A holy priesthood to offer up. Notice to offer up. That's speaking of prayer. To offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. We're to, we're to be a praying people. Do you pray? Pastor, I pray every day on the way to work. <laughs> I'm not talking about that. You need to keep your eyes open, don't you? be a good idea if you're driving to keep your eyes open. Also, it'd be a good idea to keep your mind engaged in what's going on around you. It's very difficult to pray when you're doing something else because... We're not meant to be spiritually multitaskers. So you need to have a place that you go to every day, your holy place, and you need to spend time with the Lord there in that place. Praying for any number of things that would be important to you. Priests in that day prayed for their people. We're to pray. Priests in that day were pure. We're to be pure. Priests in that day were praiseful. Notice in verse 9. A chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. That you should show forth the what? Say it. 
praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We're to be a very thankful people. Could people tell you're a believer just by watching how you treat others? Could people tell you're a believer by your attitude? Can people tell you're a believer by your words? Can people tell you're a believer by your actions? Are you a Christian gentleman? Are you a Christian lady? Are you polite? Are you kind? Are you gracious? Are you merciful? Are you patient? Are you long-suffering? Do you attempt to love the unlovable? Do we? I'm not saying we're perfect at it. But is that what you try to do? Are you praiseful? And by the way, do you see the contrast that's being painted, what we should be versus what the world is? Our world is an unholy world. So when we're holy, what are we? We're standing out. We're a peculiar people. We're different. Our world doesn't believe in prayer. It believes in cussing out people, but it doesn't believe in prayer. Or cursing God. Are we a people of prayer? If we are, we're standing out against the world that's far different than we are. Are we a praiseful people? Do we look praiseful? Do we talk praiseful? Do we act praiseful? Or are we like the world out there that is just so negative, 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 critical, critical, critical? Are we proclaimers? You know that the priest's responsibility in that day was to be witnesses. Notice it says in verse 9 that we should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That speaks of sharing our faith. You see, if we see ourselves as priests, then we would say, well, we have to be pure if we're a priest. We have to be prayerful if we're going to be a priest. We have to be praiseful if we're going to be a priest. But we also have to be proclaimers. We have to be witnesses. We need to share our faith with other people. Do we do that? You see, all of that is about being a priest. And we are priests. You say, I don't want to be one. You are one. The only question is, are you living up to the responsibilities that God has given you and I as priest? Are we enjoying the benefits that we have being priest? Heard the story about a, a woman that was scrubbing a room in a hospital. She was scrubbing off the floor vomit that was all over it from a patient. And somebody came in and saw what she was doing and smelled what she was doing and said, I wouldn't do that for all the money in the world. And the lady down on her hands and knees with a sponge in her hand, mopping up vomit that looked disgusting, smelled disgusting, was disgusting, said, you know, I wouldn't either. But what I'm doing is because I love my husband. And he did this. Why do we do what we do? Why are we part of a whole? 
When the world says, be your lone ranger and do your own thing. Why are we a priesthood? With all the responsibilities that we're fulfilling with that priesthood. Why do we do it? It's certainly not for the money. It's because we love the Lord Jesus. That's the common denominator in it all. We love the Lord Jesus. Now in closing, you say, Pastor, you keep saying this over and over. You're right, because you're not listening. When you look in the mirror, what do you see? Do you see a fool? Do you let them define who you are? Do you see some wink-wink that the world can kick their sand in your face and you just lay there and take it? Do you see a bigot? Do you see a bore? If you do, you'll never be nothing for Jesus in this life or the life to come. Because you've let the world define you. But let's define ourselves for a change. Let's look in the mirror and let's see that we are chips off the old rock. That we're part of a whole. That we're to be one. We're to be together. We're building His church. A glorious church. A church that will stand against the gates of hell. A church that will never fall. It's going up. Together we have strength and stability, significance, security. And I'm a priest. Oh, I don't have the collar, I don't have the credentials, but I'm a priest. And I can go to God anytime I want to. I can go to Him anytime I want to. I can bring to Him anything. He promises to receive me. To listen to me. To act upon what I say. And I can learn this book. Oh, we've got gifted speakers at Miles Road. We've got men and women who know how to teach this book. We've got gifted evangelists and preachers in this church. But listen, you don't necessarily need them to learn this book because you have the Spirit of the living God. If you'll just have an open Bible and an open mind and an open heart, He'll teach you the Word. Do you see now how much a difference it makes? When you know who He is, He's the foundational rock, then we know who we are. We're the rocks, the pebbles off that rock. He's the high priest. We're priests too, junior priests under Him, given responsibilities and benefits of such. Wow. I hope this changes your whole perspective about who you are. Because as the end is coming, and it is, if we're going to stand, if we're going to thrive, if we're going to make a difference, We need to know who we are. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed.